Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, or good night. I'm your host, Adrian Conway. Welcome to another episode of Rise and Pod. I'm jumping on again and experimenting with uh, diving into the live action here. Um, but today I wanted to talk specifically about predictions for the CrossFit quarterfinals. And um, <clears throat> we, we played with this a little bit and released it. I released it on social media and I also released it um, to the TTRU uh, training page that we have on, on Instagram, uh, train to rise up. And, uh, you know, there were other, other training teams. There were other coaches and everybody and their mom giving guesses for what we saw, uh, from the floor plans in regards to, you know, what, uh, what got released a couple days ago and what people actually thought were going to be on there. So I'm just chatting through a little bit of my predictions and kind of the rhyme and reason, behind uh some of the some of the choices that i made <clears throat> in regards to them so i'll do my best to even pull it up here as we go and then uh we'll do the thing but th the interesting thing about making these predictions is that to me we truly have absolutely no idea right and i i think that that's important to you know, navigate because we we just literally have no ability to understand where the test starts and where it ends. Um, meaning that we like we, we have no this isn't going to be directly correlated or attached to the open, right? So here's an example of test one for me. Right now, test one, so that you, if you guys are listening to this episode, it's going to be a simple thing. It's like the, the floor layout is uh, we got rings, we got we got wall space. Um, we have the new handstand push-up measure of the 30-inch uh, in width tape line, 10 inches from the wall. And for me personally, um, you know, I account for, of course, the 25 feet that they've also got us measured off and we got a barbell. So to me, it looks like it's going to be some type of chipper. Now, it could be a chipper like we experienced in the open, or it could be formerly a chipper that feels almost like two couplets or two triplets pieced together with a different series of movements going from like one more difficult to one more easy or the exact opposite, one more easy to one more difficult with a little rest in between or straight into it. Who knows, right? Like literally, we don't have any idea. So what I'm sharing with you guys, honestly, there, there's no skill set involved. There's no expertise involved. I mean, there's going to be people that have guesses that are probably dang close to what comes out, right? And there's going to be people that guess that they're going to be way off. What I want to encourage everyone to understand, that is no precedent or no preface to like their expertise in this space because we just don't know and we haven't had Boz verbally say what I'm looking for, team, is a smooth correlation or a story to unfold from the open to quarters to semis to the games. We've been around the space long enough to understand that that is actually what Dave did a lot of times. And there were even workouts that correlated directly with one another, right? Whether we're talking about something simple from like the 2014 CrossFit Games where we saw an event at the semifinal, aka back then the regional level, that ended up being like 64 pull-ups into eight overhead squats or something, maybe nine overhead squats at like 215 for the men. And I'm not sure exactly the load for the ladies, 140, 145, something like that. Um, but it was for time, just like that, right? The pull-ups, sprint across the floor, get the overhead squats, cross the finish line, done. And it was a final. 
Then we we go to the CrossFit Games and we see something very similar. It was three high and fat rope climbs into, um, I don't even remember exactly how many overhead squats, maybe six, maybe five at like 245 for the men and like 160 for the ladies. So my point is that we understood those themes from a perception of, of the way Dave would design things, right? Now, when it comes to what we got here, let's take a look. Um, I have, and if you guys are watching this or, or, or on the YouTube channel, you can clearly see this. So if you guys want to have more of a visual uh, depiction of this, go ahead and tune into you know the YouTube channel. But nonetheless, um, the true fitness prediction test one, 50 foot handstand walk. Now that would of course mean it needs to be down and back in that 25 foot um, measure there. 50 handstand pushups with the new standard hands on the tape. Kipping would be allowed. 10 shuttle runs down and back is one. 25 ring muscle-ups, 50 sumo deadlift high pulls. Now, this would be, again, something new in the online format. We hadn't seen this tested. We hadn't seen it applied. This would be the new movement that I'm suggesting would be a part of this testing series. And then you finish with a 50-foot handstand walk. So, again, in summation, test one. 50-foot handstand walk, 50-foot hand, uh, handstand push-ups, 10 shuttle runs, 25 ring muscle-ups, 50 sumo deadlift high pull, and then 50-foot handstand walk to finish. Now, you'll notice some thematics here. Of course, it's a chipper-style workout. Some of the movements are revisited specifically. Well, just the handstand push-up is revisited throughout. Or I'm sorry, the handstand walking. But this is a very shoulder-redundant test. But also, um, the chunk of running in the middle is to put some onus on the legs and allow the upper body to recover so we can still see a show go down. We can still watch athletes hopefully get to the rings and execute a bigger set than if they were coming off the handstand pushups and getting into the ring muscle-ups. And for me, when I think about keeping metabolic conditioning as a basis for a test, I like to throw in elements like this where I know, yes, it's still redundant. Yes, we're still getting a great test for local muscle endurance, but also the running in the in the middle after the 50-foot handstand walk and the 50-handstand push-ups allowed us to get some blood flow um, back to the lower body. And I'm going to tell you now, you don't think about this off the top of your head, but if you're not a well-conditioned athlete, your ability to even flush blood from your upper body, which of course is going to be drowning in blood flow and lactate after the handstand walk and the 50-handstand push-ups, your ability to shuttle lactate away from your upper body and into your legs um, for the run and then do it in a short amount of time is, is very much a measure of your overall conditioning. And so with that being said, uh, your legs will play a significant role in this, especially when you get to the ring muscle ups and they don't touch the ground very much, right? Like when you're hanging there and gravity is uh, willing blood down to your lower body, even though of course you're using your upper body, it's a very different stimulus than a lot of things that we'll experience. So nonetheless, there's a combination of movements here that in my mind make a lot of sense. And then of course, the sumo della pipe where we're going to challenge a lot of athletes, maybe upper body or thoracic spine mobility, particularly there in the shoulders as they raise the elbows high and outside. Um, and it's going to tax the biceps specifically after the ring muscle-ups in a way that a lot of folks haven't really felt a combination take place. It's very different than the power cleans in, in, in 23.1. It's very different than, you know, a pull-up. It's very different than just a, um, just a traditional deadlift, if you will. So, and, and let's, let's, let's also not neglect the speed of the barbell, right? If you want to do this movement efficiently, if you want to do it smoothly, then you, there has to be a priority on your ability to uh, build speed throughout each rep so that you can get the bar as high as you can. People are going to put the bar down far often than they probably should. And at this load, I think it will allow them to be challenged, but also still be able to meet the standard and the needs of 
uh, getting getting the work done and allowing this to be a great test. And then, of course, after all of that, you'll from a high level likely get a lot of races to the finish in the last 50 foot handstand walk. How willing are you and how able are you to kick up into a handstand walk to finish a workout and go for time? Um, so that would be my predictions for test one based on the floor layout. Um, let me go ahead and pull up test number two. Now, see, now this one is, is going to be a little different here. Um, and I say that because it, it's, it's simple and it's scary, right? All we've got is some space and all we've got is a dumbbell and a jump rope. Now to me, that tells me there could be more here than what we see, right? Like this could be a place that a third movement happens like a pistol. Okay. That involves no equipment, needs no equipment. We could be doing a burpee uh, over the dumbbell. Um, we've actually done that before. Now it was over a pair of dumbbells, but we could be doing a burpee over the dumbbell. Um, now, will it just be a double under or will it be a crossover double under or will there be single unders into something and then double unders into something? Will we see crossover double unders at the end of a workout a lot like we saw at the CrossFit games? I don't know, folks. But here's my prediction for this movement or this series. Test two is 10 hang snatch, right arm only, 70 pounds for men, 50 for the ladies, for, for the women, and then 30 double unders. So 10, right arm, 30. And this is a hang snatch. So you stand up, full hip extension at the top, and then you're hinging. It's a hang right there from uh, that hang position all the way overhead. Then you're going to do 10 hang snatch left arm then 30 double unders that will involve one round. So in summation, when we think about volume, we've got 20 hang snatch and we've also got 60 double unders. That's a round. It's going to be five rounds for time. Now to an elite athlete, this, this amount of volume and this, this drastic, the, the loading or whatever, it's, it's not going to seem like a ton. From an outside in perspective, this might be an adequate test. You're like, ah, oh, man, it's not that hard for these elites nowadays. Okay, cool. Well, if it's not that hard for them, let's watch them race doing it. And there's a part of this beauty. There's a part of this simplicity that must exist within our sport where the test itself isn't the measure. The test itself is the obstacle. And we want to watch the athletes uh, navigate that obstacle as fast as possible. Now, do I believe that there should be tests where the, the test itself is uh, the limitation? Yeah, I do. I think that we should always be smacked in the mouth with an unknown and unknowable, a lot like we talked about in our last podcast episode. Um, I do believe that's a facet and, and should be a cornerstone within our sport because that's a cornerstone within the methodology. Um, again, to have the absence of that would be to make it not the CrossFit Games, in my opinion. With that being said, though, this workout isn't one of those, right? People have practiced these movements. They should have what they feel as though mastery of these movements. If they're taking it very seriously, they intend on going to the semifinals or going to the CrossFit Games this year. And I believe that it would be the speed in their transitions and the accuracy in these double unders that would be deciding factor for many athletes. And it's not that it's just 20 in a row and then 60, right? This doesn't even allow you to create much of a rhythm. You have to stay focused and in the moment in order to put the dumbbell down. You've only worked one side. How does that affect the fatigue in your double unders and the way that you spin the rope? Because only one side is going to be more fatigued than the other every time you get back there. So I think that this would be a great test. It'd be a pretty short test, of course, for the high-level athletes. Everything would be unbroken and sharp and concise. But I like this style of test specifically for workouts one and two. When we know this year they're releasing all of the, the workouts to us or the tests to us at once again. And with this being one or two, you don't have an opportunity to really repeat it. you got to seize the moment in this test. And a lot of people will be frustrated with it. This would be, leave a lot of folks under the same type of sensation 
and their inability to seize the moment as perhaps happened to them in 23.3, except the scores matter a lot more now. So I, I would love to see this. Um, I think it would be a great test. Of course, we are pulling. This is a hinge again, and we're going um, hanged overhead. Um, so again, we're overhead which we know if we want to make a large load travel long distance quickly, that seems to be a natural byproduct of our sport. So athletes should be prepared. Coaches should have prepared them for this type of stimulus. Um, in, in regards to a test, you know, we're looking probably four out of the five or three of the five minimum of our tests are going to go ground overhead or overhead in some way. Um, and that's just the nature again of the methodology when we want to think about power output and intensity being one of our primary measures. So the variance piece here is that um, we're, we're not taking it from the ground every time. Okay. We're going to go from the hang. We're going to tax the grip and we're going to see how they respond to that as they go. Let's jump forward. Now, these would be scores that had to be submitted by noon on Friday. Right. And we're pretending that it's already to tomorrow. Cause I'm recording this only Thursday morning before we get the events officially. I just wanted to throw this as an episode out to you guys because well, why not? People have hit me up in the DM saying, Hey, I'm enjoying rise and pod. I'm loving the process of the things that you're discussing, whether it's the affiliates or the community or things that are being discussed in the community. And so I, uh, I wanted to, to, of course, share this and my thoughts and my guesses with you guys here through this channel. Um, as we advance to test number three. I'm going to pull it up here. You got to excuse me, guys, for my delays and my pauses. I am not a podcast producer. I am not an elite live goer. These are some of the first things that I've had an opportunity to do. So I'm, I, I literally am just figuring out how to pull these things up as I do this. So check this out, test three. Now this would need to go down probably Friday morning for a lot of folks. Um, it's gonna have to be submitted uh, by, I'm sorry, uh, Friday Friday morning or Friday midday. These would, these would need to be submitted test three and four by Saturday midday. Um, now, historically we've gotten this set up before. We got a barbell. We got some tape lines for distances. We got a plyo box. Okay. Well, I had a couple assumptions here. One was that it could perhaps be a deadlift box jump workout. One that we've repeated twice at the regional level. It was 21.15.9, 315 pounds for the men, 225 pounds for the ladies. And it was a box jump to 30 inches for the men and 24 for the ladies. Four times, 21.15.9, right? Simple, elegant posterior destruction. We watch a lot of people eat it on the box. But for me, um, I think from a standard perspective, we already know uh, CrossFit found themselves in a bit of a pinch with the judging and the feedback that they got about the thruster. When we think about standards and standardizing movements, I don't think a box jump is one of the best ways just in its purity. Even if you have to reach full extension of the hip at the top of the box, it's very difficult to judge. We're, we're splitting hairs and seconds matter at this level of competition. So my suggestion would be that it's either a burpee box jump over a, a box jump over um, or, or something in that nature, a box jump up and a step down even might even be easier to judge. Uh, but but to me, it's like I think the combination needs to be different. But because I don't believe I think that we've already repeated this workout twice at a similar level of competition. Um, I wanted to stick with kind of what we've known in the past, something similar to a snatch and a burpee box jump over, but a different movement. So now we're into the clean and jerk. My assumption for test three folks is nine, six, three clean and jerk at 245 pounds for the men, 165 pounds for the ladies and a burpee box jump over at 30 inches for the men and 24 for the ladies. Now, you know, this is a necessary evil. These short, fast and all out sprint style workouts are going to be mandatory in testing for the fittest. 
One thing that is absent in these floor plans, at least to me by the naked eye, is that there will be a one rep max. With the absence of that one rep max, which is okay because we tested something like that in the um, in the open with the thruster. Unless Boz really throws a wrench and like this test here is about the barbell and the plyo box. He had one everybody to set out just so they could sit on it and rest, which would be quite funny if you ask me, but not inappropriate. Um, but for me, I think that we're going to need to see athletes cycle loads like this under duress and under urgency in order to kind of prove that they belong pound for pound and, and from a strength and power output perspective at the next level. So this is one of those necessary evils. 963, this is an all-out go workout. Will we see athletes touch and go the barbell? I think we would see a few that would open up with some touch and go reps perhaps. Um, just because they can doesn't mean they should though, right? And 963 really does start to add up quickly, um, even though it is only a total of 18 reps. Um, but this would be a burn it down, sprint it out. How fast can you get from the burpee box jump overs to the barbell? And how well can you cycle it? with accuracy so in test three in my opinion we'd be burning it down um especially with the way that i designed some of these other workouts now there's a chance that even with two movements only or perhaps three right there's room there you could be doing pistols in between the barbell and the the box um but the way that i have this structured this is what made the most sense okay now when it comes to what could literally happen I believe that we could see a, a lot of different things. This could be a longer workout, honestly. Um, this could be something that, that that challenges, you know, the community in, in, a, in, a, in a variety of different ways um, and not just short and fast with this floor setup. So it could be anything, but that's my test. Test three, short and fast. The big dog's coming out. Let's drop that one. Test four. Now this test should scare a lot of people. I'm just I'm just gonna say it. Um, the floor layout, in case you guys don't see it, it is a rower with a GHD. All right. Now the rower and the GHD are kind of forming. It's a it's forming a right angle, right? Where the rower you're rowing, you're kind of facing in the direction of the GHD. Very specific setup, and of course, a lot of this is so that they can have a clear perspective on the monitor. And so they can have clear perspective on the hands touching, hopefully the pads and the floor. And my my theory here is that this includes a third movement. So with all the open space we have and particularly the way the equipment is set up, I believe that we're going to have a pistol to be executed here. So my assumption for test four is that it is an ascending ladder of not 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 or 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, but something different, something that we haven't really played with in the past, but still allows the thematics um, and the flow, right? When we talk about programming, folks, we talk about there being a science, but in our sport specifically and in our methodology, there's a tremendous amount of art that takes place within the programming, right? We want workouts to be memorable. We want them to have a flow, but we also want them to make sense in regards to power output, or in this case, testing. So for us today, I've got 20, 40, 60. Alternating pistols, GHD sit-ups, and then calories on the rower. There's a specific intentionality behind the order of operations here. What I want to see in my test, I want to see athletes be able to execute smooth and accurate pistols. They're going to do 10 each leg. They're going to get over to the GHD, and after they've already either held their foot up or held their foot up with their hand, 
um, their hip flexor contributed in holding those lower abdomens taxed. This is why we often see this combination here at this level of the pistols with the GHD sit-up is because of the way the musculature is demanded to function. It makes it hard, which is good. So 20 of those, 20 of those, then we get on the road, 20 of those. All right, we've broken the seal. Athletes are now understanding the transitions matter, speed and urgency matters. Even though it's only 2020-20, you can't actually lollygag through the first block. Otherwise, it's going to set you up for failure. And if you're too far behind in this workout, you're not catching up. Then we got 40, 40, 40. The burn starts to settle in a little bit more. We've now accomplished 60 of each movement. And now the big block, the block that means the most. How well did you set yourself up for success in order to finish fast on the final here, which is going to be the 60 calories, or I'm sorry, the 60 pistols, then the 60 GHD sit up. Is there going to be any pausing? Are you going to wait? Because my thing is if, if workouts come out like this for my athletes and I have these conversations with them in training, it's like, hey, listen, if you're pausing and waiting on a GHD, it's only because of discomfort and your inability to continue to stay mentally focused because what you're, what's not going to happen is you're not going to go down and touch the ground and not be able to sit up. I have yet in my experience as a personal athlete or as a personal coach or as a group class training coach or anything, seen someone fail a GHC sit up similar to a burpee. So with that being said, the only reason you don't, you didn't go down for the next rep is because you were inadequately conditioned or, um, you decided to shut it down because you were afraid right? You were afraid. It was uncomfortable. You didn't want that smoke. So you took the back seat. You would want that smoke here. And now, of course, after you finish those GHDs and you want that smoke and you're trying to do great things, you sit down on the rower with nowhere else to hide except 60 calories a row to finish. I'm messed up for it, but it's a beauty and a test because of the fact that when you sit on a rower and the only thing between you and the finish line are those calories to be rode. There's a place that you have to go psychologically that, that people don't want to go. I don't want to go there, but I'll go there if it's asked of me. And a lot of times I'm surprising myself. Um, I'm, I'm learning things about myself or I'm proving things to myself, sometimes good, sometimes bad, um, about what I'm willing to do in order to be great or to, to get the best out of myself. So um, that leaves us on to test number five, folks. Test number five, we have got, this is a really unique combination, which I'm excited to talk through. So just so you guys understand, we got a barbell. The barbell's back again. We have got a pull-up rig. So the rig is there. Um, and we've also got a rope. Now we've got eight feet between the barbell and the rig slash rope. Um, and to me, this this was a hard one to predict. But I gave it a stab, something that I would kind of like to see. Now, in 2015, the year that I was at the games as an individual, we did a workout 15, 10, 5. And it was bar muscle-ups and thrusters. The weight was 165 for men and 115 for the ladies. At the quarterfinal level now in today's age of the sport, 2023, I believe this would be an appropriate load to ask them to cycle. I don't know that the quarterfinal level athletes from a wide array right? Like if you want people to continue to sign up for this quarterfinals, even though they know they're not going to semifinals, there's a lot of folks, a lot of folks that are going to participate in this. At least I'm sure that's CrossFit's goal that you have to keep the test fun, but you also have to keep it practical for those that, that know they're, they're not going to be 150 top 150 in their country or whatever. So with that said, my test five is 
18 thrusters at 165 for the men, 115 for the ladies. 18 bar muscle-ups. 12 thrusters, same load. Six rope climbs, 15 feet. You can use your legs. Six thrusters, two legless rope climbs, 15 feet, four time. Again, this would be short, this would be fast, and this would be decided a lot of times in that middle round of rope climbs. How fast do you ascend and descend the six? How willing are you to get up and clamp? How much has your grip been affected from the 18 bar muscle-ups? Did you go unbroken? Did you have to break those up? Do you have to break the thrusters at any point? If you do, it's going to put you behind the athletes with higher capacity. But it's the right amount of weight and the right amount of reps to make athletes question if they should or if they should not. Um, it's going to be a total of 36 thrusters. And we're going to essentially bang out, you know, eight total rope climbs, two of them legless. But the way that I saw this playing out in my mind is that it was going to be some hard choices early. And then you're going to be able to hold on and do the best that you can in those latter 18 repetitions of the thrusters and the rope work. Um, a lot of the race would be decided by efficiency at the top level because capacities are going to align. So it's really another opportunity for athletes to seize the moment. Um, this workout would be fast. This workout would be furious and it would have to be aggressive if you wanted to have a top 20 time in your particular uh, quarterfinal you know, area, which is going to end up being the result of your semifinal. So folks, I wanted to hop on here today. Um, those are my five tests in summation. I think that they're pretty broad. I think that they're pretty general. I think that it would paint a very clear picture for us of who the fittest is that would come out. We've got one that doesn't involve any load, a little bit more skill with the pistol, still plenty of capacity with the GHD in the row. Um, we've got the rope climbs. We're going to include legless for the very first time. In that first workout, it's very high skill, very inverted, a lot like a combination of 23.1 and 23.3 in the open. Um, we even got a run in there, which would also not be the first for quarterfinals, but it would be something that is actually a staple at the quarterfinal level. But you've got to wonder, will we test it in high volume like we have in the past, or will it just have an appearance um, because of the fact that we, we already did running in the open this year? Who knows? Again, this will also be a lesson that we learn about Adrian and the, the style or the, the flow of the programming structure that he's going to uh, put out to the community. So nonetheless... We also got the sumo del of high pools there um, as well that will will be telling on on how you know how 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 likely are they to, to appear. Listen, I'm an OG, so some of y'all are probably going to be annoyed by a lot of my you know uh, predictions because I think they're they're very old school and they're simple. Um, there's a lot of folks that that like like sexy and 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 want it to be you know this uh, timed interval of do this and do this and rest this and work this and it's like I just want to see how fit you are, and I know that the athletes are going to be the ones to put on a show and I trust them to do that and I think it's a lot like similarly to how Boz programmed the CrossFit Games this year. You look at a lot of those workouts, you're just like, yeah, kind of cool, but nothing fancy. And then the athletes certainly put on a show for us and put us in our place. So um, I'm super excited. I know you guys are excited. I'm going to get this launched uh, on my podcast as soon as possible. Maybe you guys can take a listen before we get the workouts. And then, of course, I'm going to give my feedback. I'm going to be busy the next three days with my athletes, serving my athletes, uh, generating game plans for them, um, judging them and getting them through this process of hopefully um, really putting the onus on our most important time to compete each year, which is here quarterfinals for most of them. Um, and then I'll check in with you guys probably sometime throughout the weekend or early next week to discuss the tests and what I thought about them 
and uh, how they played out for a lot of our true camp. And even, of course, what I learned personally, either both as an analyst or as a coach or as, a, as an athlete myself. But, hey, folks, enjoy this. If you guys didn't qualify for quarterfinals and you want to qualify for quarterfinals in the future, reach out to your boy. Um, I'm going to be making it more publicly known that I'm, I'm opening up. I'm going to open 10 personal uh, one-to-one uh, client opportunities for people. And I'm looking for people that specifically have the desire to compete in the sport of CrossFit for these 10 slots. Um, I'd love to hop on a call and get to know you, hear about what your goals are and what your desires are for the outcomes of, of the future for yourself and the seasons to come, where your limitations were and all that good stuff. But I will be making that announcement more public on social media and I'll keep those slots open probably for about two to three weeks until I fill the vacancies of uh, getting plenty of interviews scheduled and getting some things in the work. So nonetheless, if you didn't qualify for quarters and you're looking for, reach out for me, hit me with a DM uh, at Adrian Conway underscore um, on Instagram is a great place to contact me. You can also email me uh, Adrian at TTRUfitness.com. Adrian at truefitness.com. Um, and then I want to say, yo, do the quarterfinal workouts. Even if you didn't qualify or you're not signed up officially, like jump in and do them. Let's see what they are. I think they'll be fun. And it's a great way for you to learn about yourself. And then even figuring out, yo, at this point, I had to scale the weights on two workouts and I need to get stronger. And I'm going to be doing these workouts in the future. And I'm going to be doing that one day. So nonetheless, have a great day, folks. I'm excited to see what these workouts or these tests are as they get released um, here with just in a, in a few hours. Um, and I'll touch base with you guys throughout the course of the weekend or early next week on digesting and breaking down what our thoughts are on the 2023 quarterfinals. The season's officially rolling, folks. Here we go. Keep rising.